Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. At one point, I think really in all our lives, we thought about starting a business, right? We start about being an entrepreneur and getting out there and doing it on our own. Now, I, I have to admit, I've, I've had a few of those opportunities and, and sometimes uh, they worked, sometimes they didn't, sometimes they were successful, sometimes they failed. As I like to say, some they're like litter on the side of the road. They're a learning experience, but still there's that drive to want to be an entrepreneur. The problem with starting a business, of course, from scratch, there are so many obstacles in the road to success. And if you've never really started a business or run a business, frankly, small business, medium-sized business, it doesn't really matter. You're gonna get some extra challenges. If you don't understand the idea of running a business and what it really takes. Now I've worked with a, a lot of organizations and I've seen very successful people and I've seen situations where people got themselves, they just didn't understand all the different aspects of the business. Now, if you want to start a business, but you're not quite sure what to do, there is an alternative, believe it or not, and it's called franchising. Franchising can be great for someone in the corporate world right now who really wants to start their own business, but just doesn't really want to start it from scratch or maybe someone who's just looking for some passive income and an investment that they want to have on the side to generate some revenue uh, beyond what they're getting in their paycheck. Now, if you've ever really sat down and explored the idea of buying a franchise, this is the show for you. Because I have Frank Caparino joining me today here at the Business Growth Cafe, and Frank is known as Franchise Frank. And he's on the show to talk about everything franchising. Now, I've actually worked with Frank years ago in the franchise world, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we get into the show. So don't go away. I'll be right back with Franchise Frank. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. As I mentioned, I have Frank Caparino, better known as Franchise Frank, who is part of the Franchise Organization to give you a masterclass in franchising. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Angelo. It's always a pleasure to see you. I remember when you used to do our Cold Stone Creamery stuff. That was over 20 years ago, the marketing you did for our great franchise. And now I'm back again. We're in the same networking group. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy. I, I actually didn't add it up, but you're right. It is about 20 years ago. And it's so long ago that the 
CEO of, of Cold Stone Creamery is now the governor of Arizona. So it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's true. It really makes it, it really makes it easy when you go, I go to Arizona, I can say, I know the governor. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Got one of those get out of jail free cards. Huh? <laughs> right, 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 right. They don't believe it though. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to think about that. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I talk about Cold Stone and when I, you know, meet different people and we have conversations and I, the one story I do tell is I think we were over there early in the morning, like at eight o'clock for a meeting and, and the, uh, the product development guy said, Hey, we're testing some new ice cream. Come on down. And it's like eight o'clock, eight 15 in the morning. And I love ice cream. So like, yeah, that's a great idea. About 10 30. It wasn't such a great idea anymore. Eating ice cream first thing in the morning like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that office building, they always had a freezer where you can go get a couple samples throughout the whole day, right? I, I know. It was like nonstop. I loved it. Uh, better than the free sodas, for sure. For sure. I know. So, uh, Frank, why don't you take a few minutes and, and talk about yourself and your, and your business? Okay. I'm a franchise consultant, which I'm called, but there are a lot of franchise consultants in the country. I don't know the exact number. My company that I work under there's about 75, but I'm sure there's 500 in the country. But what makes me different than all the other franchise consultants, I've lived franchising. I, I live what I sell. I started in Colstone in 1996, like we were talking about, and I did 15 years in Colstone, and I built up to eight sites. So I'm very familiar with being a multi-unit owner, which that's what every time I tell somebody and I bring in a new franchisee nowadays as a consultant, I tell them about multi-unit ownership and scalability of the product. And, and I know exactly as you scale a business and you grow it, what happens with the people, the supply skills, the marketing uh, spend and so forth. And that's what I bring to it. And but then, you know, then ice cream had 150 teenagers working for me in the summer. That got a little old. OK, not that if somebody <laughs> loves being a Boy Scout, Girl Scout leader, that's wonderful. But it gets tough. Um, then I actually said, but, you know, when I start selling out 2008, that was disastrous for a lot of retail business because because believe it or not, ice cream is a discretionary product. You don't need to live on ice cream. Obviously, we wish we could. But so people would start slowing down on buying ice cream. So I start selling out with the recession in 2008. And then I said, wow, I know a lot about franchising. And I knew a lot of people in the franchising business because there was 1,400 locations in Colstone. And they've gone all over the country into different franchisors. So I went to a franchise meeting from the IFA, which is the big organization of franchising, mm -hmm. the International Franchise Association. And I went in Anaheim to a West Coast meeting. And I met all these franchise people that I knew from Colstone. And some of them knew me before I knew them. They go, you were in the brochure forever. I was very fortunate. <laughs> so to make a long story short, they introduced me to Franchise. The rest is history. I've been consulting and selling franchises for eight years now. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, it, 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 the franchise business is, is an interesting one. And, and I think, you know, I, I hear it both ways, right? There's a corporate executive that's thinking about, starting their own business and, you know, they want to leave the corporate world or, you know, they've just lost their job or somebody's looking for some passive income. I mean, what do you, where do you kind of see the calls that you get from potential franchisees? Uh, Angelo, that's almost like answering the question 
people ask me all the time, what is the best franchise right now? That's why I start the process. Again, my service is free to anybody who works with me. So they have to just invest the time. If you go to Google, there's 3,500 franchises. Which one are you going to pick? I represent 150 and 20 industries in every industry that they've ever franchised. So I have something in every industry. So what happens is when people come to me, it depends on their net worth also and how much they want to spend. Because now I'm in a franchise that has no employees because I've learned from my past experience. I'm in the salon suites business. Again, I live what I sell. I'm still a franchisee for 25 years, but now in my salon suites, which means we build the suites for hairdressers. And all I need is a cleaning service to keep it clean and a repairman if something breaks. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's almost a million dollars per franchise location. So it takes a higher net worth person to do that. But now if you're doing a service franchise and you're going out doing plumbing and air conditioning and uh, maybe maids, uh, senior care, you can get in for 100000 with the franchise fee and the working capital and so forth. So when I interview the person, I start with a confidential questionnaire and then I spend an hour and I, I have a Zoom meeting with them or in person if they're local and I can sell anywhere in the country. But when I'm talking about SoCal, I will meet with them in person and I will find out some of their points of interest of what they're looking for. And out of my 150, I'm going to present three. You say, why only three? And I got 150. Well, because I want to be their coach through this process. I want to make sure that they pick the right franchise for them. And I'm going to tell them, you got to talk to the franchisees. You've got to ask them what a day in their life's about. Mm -hmm. You've got to ask them net worth questions. No, excuse me. Bottom line questions, what you can make per location. The franchise or, or myself cannot answer those questions for legal requirements of the franchise business. So I want you to call 10 franchisees in every franchise I represent that I suggest to you. So that's why more than three, you don't want to make more than 30 phone calls. I want you to really research the product. So it depends on the net worth what they want to do, how many hours they want to put in and where they came from background wise. Mm -hmm. I, I worked with a uh, restaurant franchise for a while. And when I started working with them, it was a, a fast food. They had 12 locations. And when I stopped working with them, I had 67 locations. Wow. And actually one of those locations, uh, much to the chagrin of my wife was mine. Um, <laughs> but I got out of it. So I got out of it mostly unscathed, right. but um you know, for a while there, it was like if, if someone could walk and talk and breathe and chew gum and they right. did, you know, they just sell it to them. And then more often than not, those people didn't know how to run a business. And I, and I think that's, uh, you know, always a question when it, to the type of franchise. I mean, like you're saying, you don't have employees. That was one of the right. things I always heard about, whether it was Colstone or others that that used employees like I'm going to spend whatever, $350,000, $500,000 on a location, and I'm going to hand it over a bunch of teenagers to run right. it. Right. And, you know, and so I don't think people understand, like back to the, the food franchise, like one of the times we had a franchisee was upset. At the end of the day, it turned out to be he didn't have his inventory correct. He wasn't proportioning correct. And, and a, a lot of the kind of costing and, and profitability was his problem, not actually sales. Right. Right. And right. and so having the right person. So, you know, what is this kind of ideal person that is really viable for a, a franchise in your mind? Well, to my experience, and I can help them where most franchise 
consultants cannot because I've been in it so long. I've done 10 leases at the 10 locations and I can tell them the things that the franchisor might not tell them. To be honest, sometimes the franchisor, first of all, they're across all kinds of states. So they don't want to talk about the human rights issues because all the laws are different in every state. And on top of that, they don't want it. They don't know the real estate market, the architect market, the build out market, the GCs, general contractors. That's something I can bring to the experience. And those are so important. Like for in the food, but for instance, out of 150 franchises, I only represent four food. And you say, wow, only four food. Everybody thinks food and franchising. They started with F, both of them because they're in the same space. So many people come to me and say, okay, what food products you got? I said, I only have four out of 150. They don't make much bottom line. Mm-hmm. And people have a hard time. And if they want food and they like what I have, I go, you better keep that rent to 10% of your gross sales, or you're never going to make money. So the, don't tell me the rent factor is not important. It's the most important. And then if you get in a strip mall, what's your exclusivity in the rate, in the lease, right? Yep. Those points that the franchisor sometimes does not tell them that, you know, how important that lease is before you even start hiring the first part person, right? So, uh, so that's kind of what's really important to make sure they're profitable right from the beginning. Uh, on how to get those, you know, because when I went in it, for instance, on, on a great cold stone night, it's only ice cream. You can do $2,000 on a Saturday. So you say, wow, uh, my rent's only 5,000 a month. Uh, I can, all I have to do is two and a half nights. I paid the rent. That is such BS because, you know, <laughs> you're only making 20 cents on the dollar bottom line and you're paying 8% to the franchisor. You're only making 12 cents on the dollar, right? So and then that rent becomes really confiscatory to your business. And you, you know that you, Angelo, you're in that business. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell people to keep their eyes open and what questions I'm a coach, what questions to ask the franchisor. And then if you don't like that one and you don't like the validation with franchisees in that franchise, let's move on. Let's get another one. You yeah. have to like it and you have to be profitable. You know, Colstone didn't get up to fourteen hundred. Because of the fact that we're unprofitable, you got to be profitable to grow to that size. And I also teach a franchise course at San Diego State. And I tell them there's that evolution of a franchise where they're going to start. If they grow real rapidly, they sell at the top to a PE firm. But then also when a PE firm comes, I also coach people, you might want to start moving on because it doesn't have the same goals or drive of the founder. So, oh, so there's a lot I can teach him on that, which one picked the correct franchise. Yeah. One of the things you said was it, looking at your agreements. I mean, I've known in some of the organizations that I dealt with, uh, you know, they drop a second franchise owned by another person, you know, four miles away. Right. And they were looking for, you know, your trading area and what exclusivity and, you know, how far in right. between. And, and so there can be a lot of, you're, you're already competing. You know, if you drop a Mexican restaurant or a, you know, a QSR sure. in there, and then all of a sudden you got other Mexican restaurants, but now all of a sudden they're dropping another actual competitor, another brand just down the street, then you've got, you've got some serious problems. You, you keep, sure. you've mentioned this term a few times. I know what it is, but just in case my audience does not franchise fee, because we we're talking about profitability of the, of the franchise, but there's responsibilities to the franchisor, which is this fee that you're talking about. Why don't you take a second and explain that? Yeah. Um, in the first of all, a franchise is controlled by the federal government, the franchise, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, FTC. 
and they forced to be a franchisor, you got to put out an FDD, a franchise disclosure document. In that, there's 23 items. So they're trying to protect the consumer to say the same 23 items will be in every franchise disclosure document. Okay, so so one of the things you're looking at is item seven, five, six, and seven. Those three are all the cost of what the franchise is going to cost you. And item five starts out with the royalties. So if I'm in the restaurant business, if you're a name like a Subway or a Dunkin' Donuts, you're going to pay somewhere from six to 8% for the royalties on every dollar you made off the gross dollars. So, um, and then you got a national marketing spend that's at least 3%. So you're up to 9%. So what happens, and McDonald's does it different. If you've seen the movie, The Founder and so forth, they talked mm-hmm. about McDonald's is a, such a billion dollar company worldwide, never mind because of they went public and so forth. But they actually charge their franchisees 21%. And before you hear that, you go, oh, how the hell am I going to make money? Well, 21% includes the rent because McDonald's wants to be the landlord. So they buy, and that's a good deal, really. Yeah. Because if I'm paying royalties and marketing fees to the franchisors of somewhere around, let's say, 10%, and I told you earlier that you got to keep your gross rent to 10% to make money, that's 20% together. So when McDonald's gives you 21% and you got your rent paid and all, that's not a bad deal. So so you have to look in that item five, six, and seven, what the royalties are, what the marketing spend is for national marketing, and also if they're going to have other fees. Only McDonald's has rent fees. Everybody else, you rent your own space. But um, in there, you have to have, there's a technology fee every month, maybe 150, or they might call it an internet fee. So, so they can look at all your numbers on your POS system. There's sometimes uh, a forced local marketing spend on top of the national marketing spend. That might be another grand amount or percentage of your sales. So that's what you got to look at, Angela, what those fees are. But they're all published in the franchise disclosure doc. And that's what a franchise consultant like me tells them to look at. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds that that someone trying to navigate this that have never navigated before are going to find themselves in some, some hot water for sure. Right. What do you think when someone thinks about getting into franchising or into buying a franchise, what do you, what do you think their biggest misunderstanding or the biggest mistake that they make just not paying attention to the documentation? Yeah, they don't, they don't. Yeah. First of all, if they really, it's so legalese, the franchise disclosure document was put together by the Franchise Federal Trade Commission. And they say, right on the front, they say, every franchise have to have this, this is consumer protection, but do it at your, they, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but do it at your own you know, discretion because they're not yeah. gonna help you. The feds are saying, I've heard, and I have no way to prove it, that the Federal Trade Commission branch that looks at franchising has like one or two people in Washington. So (laughs) how could they review 3,500 franchisors in the country, make sure that their their data, those 23 items are correct. So if my customer is a little skittish on the franchise, so they're like two to 300 pages, these franchise disclosure documents with a lot of legalese and the franchise, I keep doing that because of the Fs, the Federal Trade Commission says that 
you have to have these 23 items and it's in layman's terms. They say that right in the, the first declaration. It's not in layman's terms. There's a lot of legalese in there. So if my, I don't, I don't volunteer it up front because lawyers sometimes confuse the whole thing. They get too deep. But if they say they want to have a lawyer look at this, I have to give them a franchise lawyer that I know. And I know many of them because a lawyer who specializes in franchising knows how to review an FDD, franchise disclosure document, because it's not a contract like two business people go into a contract. A lawyer looks at it and says, oh, Angelo is, has a contract with Frank. It's almost equal. Franchising is 90% towards the franchisor to keep the branding and, and the product correct and 10% towards the franchisee. So you need a franchise lawyer to know they're always going to lean towards the franchisor, but he's looking for any hidden traps. Here's a hidden trap, liquidated damages. If you're in a big franchise like the hotel business, a Hilton, uh, you know, a Hampton Inn, something you spend 20000 for, they have liquidated damages in there. If you don't live out your 10-year franchise uh, term that you signed for and you want to close the thing, they say, okay, liquidated damages, you would have paid me a couple hundred thousand a year in royalties, and you got eight years more on your franchise uh, agreement, you will owe me eight times that hyper uh, royalties. So you don't want things like liquidated damages. So either I give you quick hints, but if you want more detail, I recommend you to a franchise lawyer. Wow. I mean, this is, uh, you know, kind of a tricky, uh, tricky path to walk as you're heading towards this, this situation. Because I would assume it's like, buying car right people get on the lot so to speak and they get excited and get emotional right. we're gonna we're gonna have a business i'm gonna buy five of them i remember years ago uh while i was working for uh, this qsr and i decided that i wanted to buy a bunch of franchises and mm-hmm. so i got about five to ten guys and i took them to a a, a conference room and i pitched them on buying five uh, carl's juniors wow and and, you know, that night it was, yeah, yeah. And everybody's, you know, having a drink, a beer, and everybody's really excited. And within four days, there was like nobody. <laughs> they, <laughs> they got home. The wife said, absolutely not. And, and it, it but if, if they had been able to, I mean, that night we would have walked out and everybody would have committed and we wouldn't have known what the hell we were doing. Um, Can it, I it, add an amplification to that? Sure. There, there was a franchise that I sold that went crazy. And if you're in the Valley, you should still go to them. They're the greatest pizza in the world because it's a Napoli pizza called Medici's. You probably read about that. Medici started as Menchie's. And then the CEO, instead of selling out, he could have made a fortune at Menchie's. He went down to Medici's and he made a pizza franchise that's right out of Napoli. The ovens, the how you make the dough, San Manzano tomatoes, uh, mozzarella de bufala. It was everything. I could sell a ton of them. I lived off this for two years because I lived in Napoli. And we're Italians and I can sell this all day. Well, they sold 400 franchises and only opened 30. So obviously they're being sued because they, 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 it costs like a million and a half to make a pizza power that you sell a pizza for $7.50. It takes a lot of math. It doesn't take much math to figure out. You got to sell a lot of pies. A lot of dough. What, yeah. <laughs> so what, what happened in that is when they had a discovery day, here's where people make mistakes. Like those college junior people. People get so hyped. They were getting 80 people at every discovery day, which is the last time, the last process of before you sign a franchise agreement and write the check. They had 80 people in there 
And I had a hockey player who had nothing but money in that room. And he ended up buying three. But his wife said to him that you don't write a check until you come home and tell me, even though you have tons of money as a hockey player. So he wanted Anaheim Hills and he wanted that area around Irvine and all. So the CEO asked all these 80 people with all this hype in the room and they're all excited. The CEO of Menchie says, what do you people want? Stand up, tell me who you want and tell me what area you want. So my guy says, I want Anaheim Hills. But he couldn't write a check that night because he promised his wife. Well, by the time he walked out the door, Irvine was gone, uh, Anaheim Hills, because people <laughs> were writing checks and grabbing the areas, right? That's when you get too excited. you got to relax, right? You know? Yeah. Well, that's what I, uh, I, I always say about car buying, right? It's, right. it's get emotional. My, some of my boys now are out buying their own cars. And, <laughs> you know, I'll get these phone calls. Oh, dad, this car is great. It's wonderful. And I said, I want you to take a breath, go out for a quick walk. That's what I want you to say to them. If the guy doesn't give you the deal you want, then walk away. Well, I can't do that. I said, there's another car dealer exactly <laughs> the same down the street. They'll sell you a car. And you can actually can go down and probably leverage what the other guys are saying. Uh, yeah, the emotion part of it, I, I, I know is exciting. And frankly, that's what happened to me. It, you know, I was working with them in, in the capacity of public relations. And so I was seeing it. I was watching wow. the, the people get excited and buying them like crazy. And, and the food was good before they moved on to a, you know, a commissary and stuff. They were actually cooking it themselves. And, uh, and I finally convinced another marketing person and a lawyer to buy one. And so we did, you know, we spent a lot of time finding a location. We finally got a location. We were getting ready to do the build out and all these kinds of things. And then uh, we had this, this is, how, this is how idiotic we were. Our brainchild was the two marketing people would take turns being on site and running the restaurant. In the meantime, we'd have an office in the back where we could do our marketing stuff. <laughs> and uh, frankly, or fortunately, we, we woke up before we realized that I have enough time running the marketing business. And I don't know much about food. And, and you know, it, I'm glad we got out when we did. It would have been a, it would have been a ma- worse disaster than it than It's it, a tough it was. business, food, especially now at the minimum wage. I don't want to recruit somebody brand new and paying $15 an hour. I'm going to hate them more than when they were paid $8 an hour. Right? <laughs> so. what, uh, what, what category? And, and I know you kind of said it really depends. What kind of categories are hot right now? Okay. Boutique fitness is coming back after COVID because that's what I used to like selling before. Right in the area we live, Angelo, SoCal, in Costa Mesa, there's a company called Exponential.com, and I'm so proud to represent them. Exponential with an X, just take the E off. They are, and you should get them as a client. They are just such a great company. They're like a small PE firm that, not small anymore, that uh, his name is uh, Anthony Geiger. Uh, Geiger, I think you say, G-E-I-G-E-I-G-E-R, Geiser, I don't know. But anyway, Anthony Geiser, the CEO, used to own L.A. Boxing, and he sold that franchise, and with that money, he's barely, even barely 40. He actually then started Exponential, which underneath it, he put every modality of boutique fitness, uh, cycle bar for spinning, club Pilates for Pilates, Pure Bar for the best dancing exercise franchise. He also put in Yoga 6. He's now got Rumble, which is a boxing, kickboxing franchise. AKT, which is a dancing exercise franchise. Uh, Row House, Stride, which is a running franchise. And then he also has 
as simple as stretch labs where they do uh, athletic stretchers. Now, what happens is when you sell a customer and they come into you're the franchisee of Cycle Bar and they come in and they go, well, I don't know if I want to pay you $150 a month because I might not want to be cycling anymore. They go, well, for another $50 a month, you can use all those eight franchises. They have a one pass. Nobody has that. Mm. That was his goal originally, and it took him about five years to do it. He's there. And I love selling exponential. So people like boutique fitness. But there's also the people still like senior care because they want to have that sense of community and helping all the people where you put their people in. You put your caregivers in people's homes. I got a lot of. So when I say 150, I have 20 fitness franchises, 20 senior care franchising, um, consulting franchises like in our networking group. We have people from Focal Point. Those are that's a franchise. Um, they coach people on how to run their business. Uh, ERA, right? Uh, expense reduction analysts help business be more successful. Supporting strategies help do the bookkeeping for franchising. Sanders and Associates. That's how people can sell better in their right. business. So, so we have consulting franchises, also fitness, couple food because I, we have we talked about all the problems with food and. And I think I can always today. I just got today. I just got a brand new launch call on. This is a great franchise. No H2O car washing without water now. And they have huh. the tents in the parking lots where the people come in or they do it with the app like an Uber. You go to work and you say, my car's going to be here and they show up and they got your credit card and your car's washed when you get out of work. Right. Well, nice. they come to your house. No H2O. I'm going to try to sell a ton of that because they're going to tell people we don't even use water. They spray on this chemical stuff and they they're going to tell you that they make the dirt a positive thing and the car is a negative or the cord, uh, the the wipe off rag is a negative charge and they don't even scratch your car. But it's interesting. Yeah. Well, especially here in California where the right. we're heading for another drought <laughs> for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. What um, so when we think about the franchise or right, there's always the possibility that that brand doesn't take off, right? And and people certainly have that. And and I, I was part. I I joined a one called uh, Nine Rounds, right? And uh, in some of the locations, I don't know about the the corporation, but a lot of the locations that I had known about just you know, they just didn't make it. So that was probably more on the franchisee than, but, but, you know, there's that idea of the corporation and the brand. And then there's the idea of the individual franchisees and how they can make it or not make, make a go of it. And I remember when I joined this particular one, it was all kids. Right. Right. And then later on, that guy that started it, stole it. And then that guy was there every day, you know, and doing stuff. But I, but I think COVID, you know, certainly probably had a major impact on those kinds of situations. Right. Tell me, a, tell me, give me a success story um, that you know about where somebody got into a franchise or a particular franchise organization, just, you know, kind of a positive. And I'm going to ask you about a negative one, too. So. Right, 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 right. So my cold stone was the negative. We'll save that. No, <laughs> but on, on the positive, I have a person who. Again, back to the person we both know, Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, he doesn't even know 
that he just gave me a referral by accident, just like networking is amazing. You don't know how long it takes to hit home, right? Yep. So 10 years ago when he was treasurer of Arizona, by the way, everybody listening, Doug Ducey was the CEO of Colstone, very successful, sold out at the top, and you can make a lot of money from a PE firm, and then he ran for governor. Not that politicians have the most money. It just seems to happen that way. But anyway, <laughs> but Angelo and I can tell he was a really good guy and cared about the franchisees. We love capitalism, so if somebody makes a lot of money, that's great. So anyway, I went to a surprise birthday party that his wife told me for his birthday about 10 years ago. And, and this is getting to the story of a successful franchise. And he actually... It was a fundraiser, I believe. His wife didn't say that. So I just bought him like a, you know, a $90 golf shirt because I know he likes golf. And then I found out it was kind of a fundraiser. I felt kind of my present didn't look like much. But so I sat down with a guy who I didn't even realize he had a a firm called Predictive um, Reasoning or Thinking where he did the psychology of who the new franchisees were trying to become or come in. He said, I knew you would be a multi-unit franchisee by the, how you answered some questions on the on the application. I don't know if that's true. He knew I was one now. Anyway, years later, he calls me he, this year. I'm working with his son now. He, he's my age. He wants to sell his business. He's very successful. And he says, I remember you do franchising. And we talked 10 years ago. And he says, I want you to help my son. Uh, have his own business because I want to sell my business and make a lot of money, which is going to be my son's business money anyway. So anyway, he told me a story of how he made his first capital. He owned everybody know TGIF Fridays. And if you look at TGIF Friday lately, they're really dated and they're closing all over the place. They never updated them. Service wasn't great. Food was average. But he bought in. And if you're really aggressive in a franchise, you can do things that nobody can ever do. You can see people who own 200 Applebee's and Taco Bell's. Those seem to be big chains because and they started with fifty thousand dollars. How can you own 200 restaurants with fifty thousand dollars and make millions a year? You can only do that through franchising. He bought one. He bought a couple in SoCal. And then he ended up, they start going under the TGIFs and he talked to the franchisor, they liked him. And he bought all 41 in SoCal financed by the franchisor. And then he, I, this guy's so out of the box, I, I wish I could learn from him years ago when I was younger. He put all those 41 uh, TGIFs together and IPO'd them, initial public offering, got stockholders and he sold it as an IPO made a fortune and that's all history. So even if he never served a hamburger, he just made a ton through franchising that he could never do on his own because he would not have the capital. There's yeah. the good story. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Okay, the bad. Right, the bad. <laughs> I I think I think Colstone started out really good. Sometimes my, my wife, I because I made mistakes. A lot of times you're the budding entrepreneur and I when I had eight locations People were coming in my door. I was building them at 150 and they were offering me 500,000 because I tell my customers, if you want to ride a fad, don't tell me that this thing you want to buy like Chick-fil-A, which isn't a franchise. It's a semi ownership with a a manager, essentially. But they come to me and they want a Chick-fil-A or something like that. I say you can buy a fad. But you got to sell when you're making so much money and people want to buy it. you got to sell. Or if you're 
Your sales go down like five, 10 percent south. Get out when you're at the top, because when the territories are all sold. So my story in Colstone is I was building them at 150,000. I had eight in San Diego County, which had a territory up to 41. So I had the majority of them. All the territories were sold and people were offering me 500,000 for something I built at 150. So I was kind of cruising saying, okay, in a, in a couple of years, I'll get my 500,000. I was ignorant to the way economies and businesses run. They're always going to be in cycles. And when 2008 come, I couldn't sell some of them at 150 that I built them at. But if I would have sold them when people were knocking on my door and they were, they were offering me 500,000 for every one of them. So there, there was $4 million for an investment of, you know, about what, 150, 150 times eight, right? So I, I blew it because you can't, you can't turn that around again. But I did sell, I sold one in Coronado because everybody would love Coronado. One in Coronado made the bottom line of the other seven in San Diego. So I should have kept Coronado forever and got rid of the others. Monday morning quarterbacking is beautiful. Yeah, that exactly. wasn't Colstone's problem. That was my problem. And that's what I try to help a franchisee with today. When you have a fad and it's at the top and you're making tons of money, sell it. Sell it. It's hard to do, but that's what you should do. Yeah. As I, one of my cousin's husband's um, entrepreneur, and he, he's done a lot of different things, but when he moved to Arizona, maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago, whatever it was, he started buying up planet fitnesses. Oh, wow. Right? And he got in at a really good deal. He locked in, I think 10 and he was slowly building them out. And before I think he got the fourth one built, somebody came in and offered him a gazillion dollars <laughs> and bought them all out from him. So, um, I, I, yeah, he, they were way younger than me. I wish I, I wish I knew him better back in the day. Cause he, uh, <laughs> He, he, he's, he's pretty incredible when it comes to that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Let's talk about your business, right? One of the questions I always like to ask is, you know, what keeps you up at night when you think about your business, the growing, growing? Uh, well, the only thing that ever hurt my business last eight years was the pandemic, right? Now, uh, because my, my deal fees, I can, if I do 10 a year, I have an exceptional, and that's really... People come to me in the networking group we're in and say, help me with all your franchisees. But it's hard to explain to them. I, if I do 10 deals a year, I have an exceptional year. If I do five, I still have a good year. In COVID, I did one. And all of a sudden, we come to in 2020. I come 2021, I've done four deals already, and I'm almost ready to close my fifth. So and half a year's done. So it's, you know, so the worst thing I had in the eight years, um, my only, my block to my business is me, like they say, butts in the seat, sitting here in front of, of the computer, working the leads. I can sell franchises all day, but to get the lead that's serious is the hardest problem. And I think that's the same in all of our business because yeah. I get a lot of tire kickers, right? They come to me and, and I have to weed them out quickly. I don't want to do that because sometimes you think you can help them. But if I give them three franchises and they ask for two more, that's good. If they ask for 10 more, something's going on. I say Google is better than me, 
right? <laughs> so Google's got 3,500 franchises you can look up. I, I'm not, I can never, if I told you I represent every franchise, I don't know anything about any of them, right? You know, so, so that's kind of my thing is, you know, how much I want to work on getting the leads. Now, there's so many lead brokers that want to sell you them, but a lot of those, the people, you can, I don't know if people know if they bought leads in their business. In my business, a lead can go from nine dollars to one eighty, and the ones in one eighty, the difference is in that area. They do a lot of checking. They call them. They try to verify how much money they have. Because if you get the nine dollar lead, you're going to get people that just clicked on the word maybe franchise in Google, and somebody gathered that and sold it to you, right? And that's not a good lead, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. I want to say on a daily basis, but certainly on a weekly basis, I'll get an email or a ping from somebody on LinkedIn and says, oh, I look at your profile. You look like a candidate for a franchise. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I would not be a good candidate because they have no idea that I tried it once before and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, uh, I have a woman now I'm working my LinkedIn because I, I realize I'm not going to get to it. I'm not going to get to all the social media, although I keep saying it's not happening. So we should all realize what we do. I can talk about franchising all day and I can help uh, people find the right franchise. So I have this woman who has one of these automated programs. She marketed that's a sequential thing and it's called SOAP CRM. It's the CRM that's called SOAP. It's a weird name. And it actually is out of London. It's pretty good. It's, it's, I think it's inexpensive for what it does. It's 285 a month. And what it does, it actually sends those sequential messages, reaches out. First, you got Sales Navigator you're paying for. Then when you ran a campaign on Sales Navigator, it sends out a message to them really as light. Uh, you know, you were, it looks like you work in the franchise business. Maybe we can, I'd like to meet you. And they can respond. If they respond, then they get another one and then it gets deeper. And I don't really tell them how much I work on franchising to about the third message. Right. And if they link up with me. So at least I know, like I work with immigration attorneys because foreign nationals coming in need a front end business to get some of the visas. So I my most successful thing is on LinkedIn is reaching out to immigration attorneys. That's kind of a focus I picked up. Interesting. I would have probably never picked up on that in a million years. As a, I picked as a up on it from our networking group. I because a couple of people in our networking group said, "Hey, do you uh, do you do visas with immigrant clients?" And I, and it was really hard. So my worst job last year with COVID, one guy took me a year and a half to get a visa and a business done because the embassies were closed. He's got to do by country where his host country is the United States. He's got an interview on both sides. Takes forever. Normally it takes three, four months. It took a year and a half for COVID, but the immigrant client or the foreign national, like uh, the attorney, uh, the immigration attorneys uh, like to call them, they got the ultimate pain. Remember in sales, you're always looking at the pain element. What does mm -hmm. people want? How can you help that pain? The foreign national wants to live in the United States. Even if it's going to be hard to do and take a long time, he will never give up. So he'll be loyal to you and you'll be loyal to him. So that's why I like doing clients from foreign countries now to buy businesses. Oh, that's really interesting. It's a great, great niche. I mean, it, uh, to identify that and, and go after it. I actually do use an automated uh, reach out system as well. 
Okay. Um, I've been at it over a year. It overall, it did it did really well. Um, I did notice the other day that that, that the kind of the leads, I'll call them, have really just kind of disappeared. Matter of fact, I got a phone call uh, with <laughs> the guy on Monday. It's like, you know, either we're 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 mining in the wrong place or my message is really bad. But uh, you know, it's you're always kind of tweaking and modifying. Sure. But, uh, but you know, we're we're small businesses, right. and if we try to do it all. Right. So, you know, having those resources, which has been one of the advantages of the the groups we belong to, because right. we're meeting all these people, these resources that we can do to expand our capabilities or referral networks and things like that. Sure. Sure. So there's nothing yeah. like a networking groups. You're right. When you see people eye to eye and you get referrals off them, that's the best. Right. Yeah. We all know that because, yeah, that LinkedIn, the problem with it, you've just said the same thing. After a while, the people you're trying to find are selling you all their stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've gotten that. It's like, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. Let you let me tell you what I do, or how can I help you? So I've got the <laughs> reversal a few times. Or um, my my system basically, if once they connect, there's a second message. Okay. But if they respond, which I think people have figured out, if they respond and say thank you, the system stops. Yes. yes. So I get a lot of these okays. Thanks. Right. right. You know, yeah. What do you do with thumbs that? Up. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up. Oh boy, I hate that. Right. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like okay, there, there it goes. It's all over. Um, <laughs> and and what mine did, and I know we're off topic here, but uh, what I did, mine did, is they offered a new service where it reaches out to existing connections, first connections. Right. Well, I kind of split it up, and I use fifty uh, percent of my dailies to reach out to my existing connections, actually to tell them about the podcast. Right. Okay. And, and so I've seen, you know, increases. So there, I'm not selling anything. I've just, you know, information and education. And I, and I get a lot of thank yous and, and, and comments back on that versus, you know, the others, I think I've, I've moved to Arizona. I've moved to Denver. I'm in Seattle now. It's, uh, you know, I think maybe it's, there's just too many of us doing that, that maybe, right. maybe it's time for a new strategy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I know. And it's like, well, I don't want to, I'm not going to do all the other social medias too. It's just too much. It's, you know, I really have to, maybe, maybe I have to do some SEO, SEM because nobody ever really goes to my website. And I know you're supposed to do a lot of social media and refer them to your website, but you know, I redid it at the la a year ago and it's, uh, you know, so I thought I your know. site was good. I, 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 I went there cause I had not been there and I, I right. thought it was, I think you did a good job. I have to give, I'll give a pat on the back to one of our networking people. You know, Hema Day, she's sure. the one who did that. So. Okay, yeah, I know Hema. But I never stayed with Hema on the SEO, and I somehow probably have to get back to her and do that. But we have so many to choose from in our network. I always listen. I don't know who to pick, you know? Yeah, I know. There's there's always that casualty. I, I, I've, I've, I've kind of got a small group that I've been going to, and and right. and then it's like, okay, how do I find the next one and the next one? And, and you know, and, and like we said, a lot of times it's better to, give the referral than the receive. But I, right. I think as you're expanding those networks, matter of fact, um, I just started to connect with this guy uh, less than a month ago and I see him all the time and, and he's already sent me like three leads and I've sent him a couple. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so, you know, there's a new one. I had a guy who I met, right. one of the guys I met last February before it all shut down for one of the in-person meetings a year later, he called me, Hey, I got a referral for you. Right. Uh, you know, I've, we've only chatted online, you know, in Zoom meetings. So you just never know. And it's a constant nurturing, oh, yeah. like oh, anything. Yeah. And, and 
and it's an education, same thing. And as we're kind of talking here today, people that if you're interested in, in franchising, I mean, it's not so something you go on Google, <laughs> maybe to <laughs> narrow some things down, but uh, it's not the place to do the research. And hopefully the listeners, because I, I do think this is a great option. It's a great option for people to want to start a business and, and kind of have it packaged. And that's one of the other beauties of a franchise. Right. You're not starting from scratch, right? We started businesses from scratch. But when right. you're under the banner of a franchise, somebody else is building the brand. Right. And I think that's one of the big advantages that a franchise offers. One other thing, Angela, that I do as a side business, in other words, my main business is selling franchises, but I know so much about it. And I know how Colstone grew since I was in it from number 53 all the way to 1400 for 15 years that I, I act as a coach. Now, this isn't like, on franchise consulting, my service is all free because I get paid by the franchisor. But for a small fee, I act as a coach on how a person could franchise their business. Hmm. And through my networks, I can bring in the franchise lawyer to do all the documents, the IP lawyer to do all that. How do you do uh, the ops manual, the training manual, how you bring in the marketing piece like yourself? And I coach them for a year. How do you do the annual franchise meeting and how do you grow it from a franchise meeting? So that's kind of another business I do on the side as um, helping people become a franchisor. And because in my, my course at San Diego State, I teach how to be a franchisor and how to be a franchisee. And I bring in guest speakers on both sides. And I also, their, their program, they, I don't know if they like it, but their term project after 15 weeks is pick a business, a franchisable business, write the FDD, and they their term project, 25% of their grade, is presenting an FDD, a franchise disclosure document. Well, that's interesting. How many? Uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been, this is going to be my sixth year in the fall at San Diego State. Has anybody actually taken their FTD, which actually sounds like, a, you know, a disease, <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, it had taken taken their presentation and actually brought it to, to market. No, they said they were going to do it, but I haven't. Some people got some people, some of them, they get a little strange, like, you know, having a massage power with a having no, no a masseuse kind of thing, a clean thing like massage envy, but with an outside bar or, or one had drinks that were frozen drinks, but they looked kind of like different items that had bad connotations right so some of the things are kind of strange right <laughs> but there were one or two because now i've looked at six five years that i taught five groups in each 25 businesses i say there's about two or three that made some sense right but they don't they, you know we all talk about how you're going to get the capital how you're going to do it right. see that's another thing i do when people are looking at a franchise disclosure document They'll be all excited, but in there is the audited finances, too, of the franchisor. They never look at that. So sometimes I would look at that on a franchise and say, to help somebody who's not my franchise, because ours get pretty well scrutinized before they come into our portfolio. They'll say, can you look at one of my others? I say, sure. I look at the audited finances, and the, and the franchisor has 100000 in the bank. And I'd say to somebody coming in, you're going to invest 100000 in a franchise that the franchisor only has 100000 in the bank. 
And they go, well, how, why is that important? Well, you want to know he can last, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, oh, it's to that question I asked earlier, it's a, a lot right. of times the franchise, their franchisor doesn't quite make it. Well, this has been a, a really interesting and fun conversation, I have to say. Um, right. Obviously, we we met and we've known known each other about twenty years now, I guess. Right. That long? Wow, that's wow. crazy. I'm uh, sorry about letting down the friendship in between, but let's make it solid again. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but um, uh, it, so anybody who's considering a franchise, let's end this with what are three pieces of advice besides call you. That that you would give them. Okay, number one, make sure. I have to say the biggest word in franchising is validation. So um, don't look. So number one would be validation, and you know you have to talk with at least ten franchises in that franchise. Now here's another thing that comes up. I get people come to me. And they say, well, they don't have 10 franchises. Well, now franchisees. So maybe now you don't want that because it's too small. Or if you're entrepreneurial and you're an early adopter, like we call you, maybe you want that because you get the greatest areas in the world. But then you're you're trusting everything the franchisor says, not what the franchisees are doing Mm -hmm. and what a day in their life is like. The reason I say call 10 is because... Human nature, two are going to hate everything. You ever see everybody's got a great restaurant's got 4.9 because two people hated it somewhere, right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you have to uh, look at at least 10. If five hated out of 10, leave, right? Go to another franchise. That's one, validation. Number two, I, I mentioned to uh, Angelo about also if you're really afraid of the legalese in the franchise disclosure document, Make sure then you go to a franchise lawyer. Don't go to your friend who's a divorce lawyer or somebody has to. You have to go to a franchise lawyer. If you come to me and you know my name now, I don't get money for legal fees. I will get you a franchise lawyer that works. Right. So uh, so that's number two. Number three, I get people come to me and I say they say, I, I want you to help me with this franchise. Pay me by, I'll pay you by the hour. I don't really, I'm not really good at that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how to get paid by the hour. I say, I'll scan it for you quickly, your FDD. I'll spend a half hour and help you out because you referred to me. So, uh, but they, they don't send me a franchise disclosure document. They send me like an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. In other words, the person's a licensee marketing themselves as a franchise, whole different world. Mm-hmm. licensees are not franchisors and there's a lot of people uh disguising themselves out there as a franchise that if you don't get a franchise disclosure document within a week of talking to them it's not a franchise so so check all those legalities because there's a lot of fly-by-nights and don't any anybody if you write a check and they take it immediately you can't you can't take a check in the franchise world so they disclosed with you to a franchise disclosure document for 10 days. you got to read it and have it in your hand 10 days before they can take a check. And let them award you franchises, not sell you franchises. So I think I did more than three. But That's great. Well, great advice. Um, I, again, I think this is like a, this is like a master workshop in uh, franchising. And so I, we definitely... Uh, if listeners out there, if you're interested in, in franchising, you certainly need to contact Frank. And Frank's about to tell us how to contact him. Okay. I'm known as Franchise Frank, and you can go to FranchiseFrank.com. 
You can have a link to my calendar there and just give me your email and name and I'll get back to you. Or you can call me at my phone number that's on there. I'm always available. So all my contact information is on franchisefrank.com. All right. Well, Frank, thank you so much. This has been really enjoyable. And it's great uh, really spending an hour with you here kind of chatting about the old days and the new days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Angelo. All righty. Frank, I want to thank you again for stopping by the cafe today. That What a great uh, conversation. And certainly franchising is, is certainly an option for a lot of people who want to start get into growing a business and starting a business. Again, I've had that opportunity to work around multiple franchisees throughout my career. And as like I said, foolishly, I actually bought one once and um, that was short lived, but I certainly gave me insights on, on how that world works. And thank you today. Today was like a masterclass in, uh, in franchising. And I encourage all of you out there, if you are interested in franchising, you want to look at the show notes, listen to where Frank said you can get a hold of him and please reach out to Frank because he is terrific. He's been at it a long time. As you heard, he knows the ins and outs and can really help you through that process. And thank you, all of you, for joining us here at the cafe today. Whether you're a current subscriber, an avid listener, or new to the show, I really appreciate you stopping by. You can find out more about us at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or, frankly, on any podcast platform you like to listen to. So I encourage you to check this show out, or obviously you listen to this show. Check out other shows. They, I said about 140 plus, but after three and a half years now, we have a lot of different shows and a lot of different insights that you can use when you're thinking about growing your business And if you need marketing help in your business, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or at my website, theponsgroup.com. And there's all sorts of resources there like eBooks and videos and things that you can use for free. So please don't hesitate to do that. And lastly, please join me here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzagroup.com to learn more. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.